Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode where tonight we're going to be discussing my film pick of the week from 2020, The Dark and the Wicked, directed by Brian Bertino. But before we get into all that devilish good fun, we are not going to be joined by the ghoul tonight as he has run into some things at home that he needs to take care of. So we're keeping him in our thoughts and hopefully he'll be back next week. But fear not, folks. Because I am joined by the psychotic simian, the uh, Prince of Unmore's Day. Yes, get funky with the Mad Monkey. Yes, keeping it funky, keeping it fresh. This is the Mad Monkey broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic, where we, the Talking Terror crew, bring you the best damn horror podcast there is in all the land. The only podcast that is 100% professional, 100% of the time. So make sure you listen live. Make sure you listen on iTunes. Make sure you listen on Spotify. We don't really care. Just make sure you fucking listen. What's up, my brother? Um, good as always, good as always. Uh, excited about tomorrow because I have my first round of COVID vaccine coming my way. So shot, shot, yes. shot, shot, shot. We're doing it tomorrow. <laughs> shot, 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 shot. I'm so excited for you, King. This is something awesome, man. I'm glad you're getting this done. Like, And from what I understand, you had to do a lottery to do this, right? Uh, I didn't even know that it was a lottery, actually. Uh, they opened up a, a, a center in the old Bonton from our local mall, as you know, uh, Monkey. Uh, they opened up a place that opened up today, actually. Uh, they had 33 registrations, uh, 33,000, I should say, registrations, and they only picked 500 for the first two days. And I happen to be one of those lucky 500 to land in that group of Wednesday and Thursday. So tomorrow night at 5 o'clock, I'm going to get jabbed in the arm, and, and uh, round one's going to be done. So halfway there to getting totally <laughs> <laughs> Round one, fight. But seriously, I'm just so excited for you, man. To be able to do this, doing the thing that people are supposed to be doing if they have the opportunities to be able to get this shot done. Because I know our very own Dean, he got, uh, let's see, he got rounds one and two done. Is that correct? That is Dean, what do you think? Oh, yeah, and here he is. What, <laughs> what's up, Dean? Uh, good evening. And as I have said, uh, I did have both, uh, and King, you are getting your first. And when you are at your first, you should get, uh, you should be given the the sign up for your second uh, when you're on location uh, for your first. Uh, that's the way it works. If you're like getting the first one, and it's, I mean, it, it, if it's not the Johnson and Johnson, which is one shot, and it's Pfizer or Moderna, um, you don't just like get your one shot and then hope to get the second one. Like you'll sign up that day for your for your second dose, which will be three or four weeks later, depending. Well, that'll be good. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, Pfizer. So. Yeah, it's 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 great news. Um, you shouldn't be all that concerned about side effects. I know you had mentioned side effects. Um, I got the Pfizer shot 
the first one, uh, my left, I got left arm and, um, my, my left arm was, was pretty sore, uh, for like two and a half ish days. Um, and then the second one, uh, also in the left arm, my arm was a lot more sore and it crept up into like my neck and kind of in the back of my head and was my arm was like super 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 sore like i i couldn't even like lift it halfway up or like raise my arm in the air but it didn't last the soreness did not last as long as the first shot like the next day by like the middle of the next day i was pretty much fine so uh and that was it and i know a lot of people uh that have gotten uh both pfizer and moderna and of all of the people that i know that have gotten the shot there's only one person that i know personally uh, that had some of the rougher side effects, like the like the not feeling good and like one case of throwing up. Uh, but that's just one person uh, of all of the people that I know that have gotten vaccinated. So I think that the odds are in your favor, King. Yeah, I'm hoping may they ever be in your favor. <laughs> and if you won a lottery uh, to get your vaccine, it seems like you're uh, kind of on a winning streak because did you not just win some kind of Comp- contest competition that you did not even another one that you were not even sure that you were uh, or didn't remember being <laughs> a part of. Yeah, that was weird. That was part of one of the groups I'm a part of. It's like an '80s horror movie fan club, uh, and I guess they had a pop-up contest that I didn't even know about. It was basically a, a guess the screenshot, and if you guessed it and it was correct, uh, you were ending answer, and I won a pair of Michael Myers string lights. Uh, that'll complement my Leatherface string lights pretty well uh, in the apartment known as the, the the Winchester with all my horror. <laughs> oh, here. oh it, but, you didn't but... win a Chia pet? Oh, also, who no. you're gonna get another Chia oh, pet? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> 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 Please, no. <laughs> I mean, my luck. But no, this is Michael Myers string lights. I can use those. I don't need a Michael Myers fucking chain pad. You know, they're all just staring at me. It is it is awesome when you walk into the Winchester. It's like <laughs> it, it, it in his dining room. He just has a stack of chia pet boxes. This whole wall of chia pet boxes. Get them in out his of di- the boxes. dining room area. <laughs> it's time, every one of them. It's time to get them out of the boxes. It's time to set them up. It's time, time to pour some water on that shit, and let's see what happens. Let's go. It's time to green up that thumb, man. The time is now. What, what better time than today to begin a new venture? You had a test run. It didn't go as planned, but that doesn't mean you're supposed to just give up and, and fold your hand. You're supposed to put your chips back to the table and, and take another go at it. So let's go. Crack those Chia Pets open, line them up, get the watering can, and let's grow some fucking plants. <laughs> Wow. Oh, listen to the dean. The dean is going to the pulpit. He's preaching to the choir about get your chia pets and make them live. Get it out there. You don't got to let your chia pets sit in the box. Get it out there. Make it grow. Show it some love. Make that shit grow, baby. I'm only going to want to go out and win the big game for Coach Bombay over there. <laughs> there you go. I'm not happy. Thank you so much. So uh, before we get into horror news, um, I don't know if the the dean has this, but I wanted to bring it up real quick because I thought this was fucking hilarious. Uh, before we went on air, uh, one of disgusting put up an article about how in Osaka, Japan, their Universal Studios is celebrating the 20th anniversary of being open, including all of their rides. And one of them, of course, is the Jaws ride. 
which Universal does not have anymore in America. They have it in Japan. So to celebrate that, they're coming out with different treats that you can eat and stuff hmm. like that in the park. One of them is a Jaws-themed corn dog, where it's Bruce the Shark with the little corn dog coming out of it. But the one thing that started cracking me up was the other treat that they have, which is one is an E.T. chocolate sundae, which is fine. But they also have a Terminator beef bun and a backdraft-themed turkey leg. I thought that was the fucking greatest thing I've ever heard of, to have a backdraft-themed turkey leg. (laughs) (laughs) That's genius. I don't know what it is. Like, celebrate this movie about firefighters by eating a burnt turkey leg. Okay. <laughs> Man, I didn't even know backdraft still had any kind of draw, but, you know, maybe in Japan, I don't know. Um, <laughs> because I also know, because at Universal, that's where they did the, well, maybe it's not Universal, but another theme park, they had the Godzilla ride, Gale Godzilla head, and you ride the roller coaster into the mouth of Godzilla. Japan, <laughs> yeah. You zip line into the mouth. So, yeah, that's an attraction in Japan. But, yeah, that's, it's, it's just, I thought, what a great marketing. A Terminator beef, beef bun and also a uh, turkey leg the movie Backdraft. Yeah, so, like, wow. Backdraft. All right. Read the room. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was that. a fun. But, uh, anyway, so, uh, Monkey, if you have anything before Dean gets into horror news, by all means, you know, you have the floor. Yeah, by all means, no, Monkey, I'm what do you have to talk about? <laughs> I have nothing else to bring. I'm just imagining, like, you know, who the promos are doing for this the, you know, this backdraft turkey. Like, are they, like, trying to bring back actors from the movie and just have them sitting in front of a building fire all eating turkey legs while they're in their fire gear, you know, all covered in soot and shit like that? Backdraft turkey leg. <laughs> you can hear you. No, we could have that. <laughs> All right. Dean, uh, now that you're with us, now that you have your horror news all ready to go, let's go. What do you have for us tonight? So, once again, uh, we're going to have to put off my big piece for yet another week mm. because of our, once again, uh, two weeks in a row lack of ghoul. I have been sitting on my story from last week about the best order to watch all of the Marvel movies, and uh, I want to continue uh, to keep that on hold, because that is a segment that I would obviously like the ghoul to participate in, uh, given how much of a boner he has for all things Marvel. So uh, we will push that off once again as I shuffle my papers, my actual papers, and uh, we we will put that in the paper, my, my last week papers, and I will get out this week's papers. So well, that's cool. We can, we, we, we can go ahead and shuffle that because we'll uh, piggyback that with the WandaVision recap that we'll probably do next week when the goal returns as well. Oh, that's so exciting. I can't wait to talk about that. I <laughs> bet you are. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but so, this week, so, I bet Dean's going to talk the about King of Horror, Andy T, <laughs> has a kindred spirit out in the world. A kindred spirit okay. by the name of Brian Hammond. And the reason that Brian Hammond is a kindred spirit uh, with the King of Horror, Andy G, is because Brian Hammond uh, has written and directed 
were written and is going to direct a documentary on the complete history of Candyman. Oh, we know that the upcoming uh, Jordan Peele Candyman spiritual sequel has not yet graced our screens. We will still have to wait until August 27th uh, for uh, those that are waiting with anticipation uh, to see that. But Brian Hammond says that his complete history of Candyman documentary is going to explore uh, the all the way back to the very beginning of the Candyman saga uh, and take us all the way through now in the modern times, the complete history of Candyman. So yeah. is this a documentary that film that you're, that you're talking about here? A documentary film. And... Yes. Okay. And then we're talking about all of the history, like back to uh, the, the original dates that were covered in the first movie. Yes, and not just that. Uh, Candyman uh, originally came from a was it a a, a Clive Barker uh, novella called um, yeah. The Forbidden? Is that correct, King of Horror? That is correct, yep, in Books of Blood. Yep. Uh, his documentary is going to go all the way back to the very beginning and cover the written story and its journey to the big screen and then uh, the, subsequent, the subsequent sequels leading all the way up to the upcoming spiritual sequel. Uh, okay, and cool. The complete <laughs> history. Yeah, but, uh, even though it's really bad sequels, ugh. <laughs> that first one's a banger. I love candy, man. Can't wait for August. Yes, August you do. Can't go fast enough. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Uh, I know people are waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. A lot of are, yeah. A lot of people like me. A lot more than you think. Candy, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's okay, lots so- going on. Oh, go ahead, monkey. Dean. <laughs> oh, I'm going to continue. There's so much in the oh, world of publishing uh, that, there, uh, that, that we're going to talk about now. Uh, first, uh, you might recall uh, several months ago, probably somewhere back in the October slash November time frame, uh, maybe, it, yeah, maybe because it was the time frame leading up to the Creepshow holiday special on Shudder, mm-hmm. Uh, that Creepshow uh, had teamed up with uh, education company Scholastic uh, to offer a young adult fiction uh, uh, story book that was called The Taker uh, that was written uh, by Ellie Cooper. And uh, just like an episode of the Creepshow series, the Taker, uh, the Taker book featured two stories, two short stories, uh, same as a Creepshow episode. Um, I actually purchased and have a copy of The Taker in my classroom. I have not read it yet, but I do have it. Uh, Creepshow and Scholastic must have been pleased with the success because they have announced that they are once again uh, teaming up with author Ellie Cooper for another Scholastic Creepshow book. Uh, this one is going to be called The Curse, uh, just like the series. Well, uh, The Cursed, and just like the series... Uh, is going to feature two short stories, once again written by Ellie Cooper, and this will be available 
April 21st. All right. That, that's Great. cool, man, that we're tapping into this stuff. It's, you know, and that horror is, you know, kind of working its way back into the mainstream. It's, but, like, King or Dean, have you guys, like, heard any feedback from Shudder about the responses about, like, as far as views or hits or anything about the creep show, the new creep show? No, you know, I have not. And I also have not, like, done any looking or reading to even see, uh, like, how successful uh, Shudder considers itself uh, as a whole. But given their uh, increasing library, their increasing library of original content, and their increasing expansion into new areas, uh, I'm going to imagine that that they are uh, being very successful. And they have, before the second season of Creepshow has even aired, they've already announced that season three is a go. So that tells me uh, that business is good. But I don't have any figures or facts in that regard. Maybe the King of Horror does, but I do not. Okay, cool. No, I think they're a lot – I don't think they've released their, their you know, numbers. Because they're not – they're not like Netflix, or Netflix has a lot more original shows than Shutter does. Shutter just kind of releases original movies and, and occasionally original show like uh, uh, Creep Show, but I don't think they release those numbers. I think people are just word of mouth. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Shutter is probably the, the penultimate place to find horror movies. I just logged on to the site yesterday, and they just put up a whole bunch of other movies. I'm like, man, and I was like, my picks are set for like the next couple of months. <laughs> if they can, yeah, man, I mean, houses. look, it's a fucking. For their increasing library of classic content, modern content, and original content, uh, as well as documentaries and specials and all that stuff, at five, I pay four ninety nine a month, and like, of all the streaming services, what a fucking bargain! Like five bucks a month, um, mm-hmm. I think Shutter is a humongous bargain. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan, big fan. Did you, um, Dean? Did you ever check out the Leap of Faith documentary on there? The William Friedkin one about the making of Exorcist. Nah, man, I have that. I have that one saved. Um, that's on my list to get to. And uh, the other one, uh, they have a documentary on uh, on African American horror uh, that is on my list to check out as well. Um, horror, horror noir. Oh. Um, oh, yeah. The history that's of black true. horror uh, from 2019. Oh, is that- so. Uh, that, is that, that the Jordan Peele produced one? Oh, go ahead, one? Monkey. No, I was going to say, uh, no. Jordan Peele produced one? Uh, I don't know no. if he produced it, but he does take part in it. He is part of the cast, uh, oh, along okay. with other African-American notables in the genre like Ken Forey and Tony Todd and such. Uh, it's directed by somebody named Xavier Bergen, uh, but it's just called, you know, Hard Noir, A History of Black Horror, 83-minute um, documentary. So that one is on my list as well. Uh, also, um, you know, the, the freaking one, the freaking one. So, uh, you know, their content's just fucking, you know, just growing and fabulous. And I truly believe a, a, a great, a great deal. Great value. Yeah. So anyway, the, the, uh, you know, good. So, yeah, yeah. Real quick. Yeah. It's okay. It, it's a lot of freaking just kind of saying how great he is for making the exorcist. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Art Noir is fantastic. The book uh, written back in 2011 by Robin R. Means Coleman. Uh, Horror Noir, which is the documentary it was based on, fantastic book. Like 300 pages going all the way back to, to the origins of film and, and African Americans in horror. So if you haven't read that, I would say that's your library, uh, Dean. I have a copy, and it's, it's one of my favorite reads. 
Moving on. Good. Moving on. And again, we're staying in in the world of publishing because there's more things to talk about. Um, R.L. Stein, uh, you know, when answering questions about uh, the upcoming uh, new Goosebumps TV series, uh, he was taking part uh, in a Twitter Q&A. Um, he talking about the upcoming new Goosebumps TV series. He did not say who, uh, but said that they have a producer and director signed on, but also uh, did announce that as part of all of this, uh, he has signed a contract for at least six more Goosebumps books. Uh, so oh. uh, Goosebumps, Goosebumps series, uh, you know, entry-level horror for millions of young readers out there. Um, you yeah. know, that's really good news. Uh, Goosebumps is like an awesome, like safe place for younger kids to get into uh, scary stories. And a lot of his stories are like legacy, scary stories, like urban legend types that have been molded to the young modern audience. So I'm all about hearing that there's going to be six new uh, Goosebumps books. Obviously, there was a hugely successful uh, movie uh, with Jack Black playing R.L. Stein, and then a sequel that wasn't as well, but like uh, that makes me happy to know that this world is like alive and well and thriving uh, because it, you know, the young audience is, uh, you know, going to, going to read this stuff and, and become writers and directors and uh, of their own. And, you know, as we continue to age, like those are going to be the people that are going to be, you know, writing and making the shit that we're going to be watching, you know, 10, 15, 20 plus years from now. Well, plus, and uh, any, like, you know, like you, like, <laughs> kids to read, period, you know, is an awesome project in itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Could not mm-hmm. agree more. So that's yeah. what's going on there. Uh, more in the world of publishing. Uh, author Scott Tafoya uh, has completed the six-year project uh, that he was working on uh, to write a book covering the entire career of none other than Toby Hooper, and he is releasing Toby Hooper uh, cinema cinema. I don't even know what the, I've never even heard of this fucking word before. Cinema <laughs> cin, cinema cin, cinema 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 fog, 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 I don't. Did, did you guys see the story? I don't even know what this word is. Cinema 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 I don't know what the word is. Forgive me. Uh, I, I, but anyway, I, on the psychedelic <laughs> classic form of Toby Hooper, uh, it is going to cost you a whopping $18 for the hardcover and a whopping $12 for the paper book, uh, uh, paperback. This book uh, covering the career of Toby Hooper is going uh, to be 236 pages long. Uh, it is currently uh, available for pre-order on... Amazon, and I let me just want to pull the release date real quick. I forgot to make a note of that. I, you know, I was trying to say this word out loud in my classroom yesterday when I was making notes, and I think I had it. I thought I had it, um, but uh, but then I lost it. Uh, oh no, I I apologize. This book uh, was released on March fourth, so it just came out. Uh, it is available to to order. Um, and yes, my, my numbers were correct. $18 for the hardcover, $12 for the paperback. Sweet. You want to have to add. And there you have it. <laughs> you Films in form of Toby Hooper. So, 
uh, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, important figure. <laughs> I'm done. I'm not trying again. That's it. It's over. Uh, you had your fun. Uh, you can you can listen back. You can listen back to your heart's content. Uh, but I've, I'm moving on. Also, in the world of publishing, we are going to have a behind the scenes book. Uh, that's called "It's Me, Billy." Black Christmas Revisited. Uh, it's still quite a ways away. It's going to be released by Bear Media in 2022. Uh, but this is going to be the definitive book about everything surrounding Bob Clark's 1974 Christmas horror classic. So uh, if you feel out there that you need to know all about Black Christmas, the original Black Christmas, uh, there will be a definitive book for you to look forward to uh, in 2022. Does this movie really deserve a definitive book, though? I mean, it has one and a half movies, one kind of sort of remake, you know, one definite remake in the works. But, you know, I mean, King, you're the history buff here as far as horror. It's like, you know, do you think this movie really deserves, you know, an end-all, be-all book about it? You're my brother and I love you, but really stop. Like, yes, this fucking book needs to exist. Yeah, this was the blueprint for what was to become Halloween. This is the blueprint for what was to become Friday the 13th. This is the blueprint for slasher films. Bob Clark's 1974 Black Christmas. This is what caused the POV shots for Michael in 1978. was because of what Bob Clark did. So, yes, absolutely. I think it needs to be a book that people need to read to find a background on. But, yes, I mean, if you're a slasher fan, you know, and you haven't seen the original Black Christmas, why haven't you? You know, it's it's just the seminal one that kicked it off. And I'm not even talking about Psycho or or Peeping Tom in 1960, which, again, are prototype slashers. No, the Black Christmas, I think, is the ultimate one that kicked it off. And, and never mind the, the 2019 version, which was just garbage. Uh, and then the, the 2006 uh, film, which was garbage in a fun way, but it wasn't Black Christmas. But the original... Nothing can top it. You know, it, it still holds up today. It's dated, obviously, for fashions and things like that, but it's still fun. I mean, you just watched it recently, Monkey, like the first time. So you tell yeah, me. Yeah, and it. it's and it's a fun movie. It really is. But that's the thing. That's why I'm asking you is, you know, it's cheesy and campy and stuff like that. But, you know, as far as history is concerned, that's why I was asking you because I didn't like you know when I watched it, it was fun, it was cheesy, but I just consider it a fun cheesy movie, and I didn't realize the history behind it. So that's why I was asking you: Do you think this movie needs to be made? Yeah, I do, and I think the cinemaphagy of this book will be amazing. Hey, you said it. The word. <laughs> Did you have to put that into like Google Translate or something? No, I just looked at the word. I've never, I've never heard that word before, and I just, I just, I just couldn't spit it out. I've never heard of that word. <laughs> I haven't either. I just looked at the word. I was like, that's how you say it, cinema phagy. But you know, so there you go. <laughs> We're a teaching podcast, not just a horror podcast. <laughs> All right, Dean. So we still need the literature in horror movies. Talking Terror's word of the day, cinema phagy. <laughs> uh, so I am I am looking up this word, and all I did was put this word into the Google search, 
And the only place in the entire Google search where this word is attached is, and I'm now onto the second page of Google searches, uh, has to do with the Toby Hooper book. So I'm going to imagine <laughs> that this is like maybe even a made up word. Let's see what dictionary.com has to say. Because there are no matches for this word in dictionary.com. No. Yeah, it's got to be a made-up word. But brilliant that it's got to do that. So what What the fuck is that? How do you even make up a word? <laughs> There's no law against it. I guess you could just do it. You know. There are no results for this word on dictionary.com. <laughs> None. I had to know. So I'm not crazy. The English, the English teacher in the dean is getting pissed off that this word does not exist, and yet it exists on the cover of a book. Yeah. Contact the author. All right. Keep <laughs> using made-up so, words. <laughs> yeah, no made-up words. Uh, anyway, <laughs> continuing through the world of publishing. We have talked about uh, back around the Halloween season when I finally uh, had dug into my big Taking Shape book, uh, the, the, the volume about all of the Halloween films and the behind the scenes and what went into them and interviews with people attached to them. And we had talked at the time about how there was a sequel uh, to that book mm-hmm. that uh, taking shape two, the lost Halloween sequels, uh, how that book was going to cover like 24 different, uh, sequel ideas that were out there in different stages of development that ultimately, uh, never hit, uh, the big screen, uh, in a similar concept, uh, dark horse books is going to publish a hardcover book that is called untold horror. Uh, which is going to be about all of the well-known horror movies that were never made for one reason or another. Uh, This book is going to feature artwork, uh, scripts, uh, other, and I quote, eye-popping materials. Uh, It's going to be available July 28th in comic book stores, uh, August 10th everywhere else. A little bit of a hefty price tag at $39.99. Um, but if you want to read about all of the different horror movies that, uh, were out there about to come to pass, but never did, uh, now you will have the opportunity to do so if reading about such material is your kind of thing. What do you mean by well-known horror movies? What do you mean by well-known horror movies that didn't happen? Uh, Hmm. let's take a look and and see. I mean, are you talking about like... Yeah, like, are you talking about like sequel ideas that got you know trashed or something like that? Or are you like okay, you know, just... uh, this will include in uh, the most frightening horror movies that never were, from unmade reanimator sequels to alternate takes on legendary franchises like Frankenstein and uh, Dracula. Uh, insightful interviews of horror legends like George Romero, John Landis, Joe Dante. Uh, Brian Usna and more. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> and it's interesting that you so, brought that up because that was actually supposed to be a series 
that was going to be online. I forget what streaming service, but it got started as a documentary. Then it got put into a series as a pilot where they actually interviewed George Romero about Jacaranda Joe, as I talked about a couple weeks on the show, and Joe Dante about a couple of werewolf movies that he wanted to make, and John Landis about what he wanted to do. But never came to fruition. Nobody really picked it up. So I guess this guy is putting it into book form, which is exciting. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so, so the show that was going to be about canceled movie ideas got canceled. <laughs> he got picked up, so now he's like, fuck it, write the book. That's how you do it, folks. <laughs> Doesn't Hollywood shut you down? Make it a book. People will buy it. You know I will. <laughs> Okay, I have more books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need to get you some more bookshelves, man. <laughs> a couple more. It's a problem. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on. All right, as I look here at my news for the week, I think, uh, let's see if I'm correct. Yes, it looks like the time has come for us to slip out of the publishing world um, and kind of make our way over to the screen side of things because, you know, that is what we are here to talk about. Uh, we're a horror movie podcast, but all of these things have to do with horror movies in some way or shape or form uh, in the publishing realm. But anyway, uh, we have all at different times talked about our different love of uh, different sides of the Alien series and uh, Sigourney hey, hey, Weaver hey. – uh, was recently out uh, being interviewed on some podcast and has announced uh, what her favorite of the films in the series uh, is. And she has says, says that uh, the sequel aliens uh, was her favorite film. She said it was her favorite film to make. Uh, She said it was the best constructed story for her character uh, that the whole structure was gold, a great supportive arc for the character, and just had the best time uh, making the sequel. So Sigourney Weaver, there you have it. Aliens, um, her favorite one, my favorite one as well. Um, oh yeah, but uh, I just yeah, you know, but, yeah. When you have favorite. someone uh, <laughs> that's when you have someone that is a that is like so clearly attached uh, to a character. Uh, that has played that character over years. I, I find it interesting to 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 hear when one of those performers has a little bit of insight into you know preferences or favorites or disappointments or, or whatever it may be. So I was excited to hear that, that one was her favorite. And I think that in a lot of cases, and not everyone of course walking around, but I feel like a lot of people would probably agree uh, that the second one is the one. That movie is just like like an absolute fucking masterpiece. Um, and, and like completely holds up uh, 100% to this day uh, is like still feels fresh and exciting. Um, I, it's just, I saw bits of it recently and man, is that, that alien is fucking fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd be hard for us to disagree. It's definitely mine. I mean, I, I like alien, but alien just does everything right. It's, you know, action, horror, everything that you could possibly want in a movie. It does. And I know Monkey agrees as well, but yeah. Game over, man. Game yeah, over. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was a great piece oh, that really, really expanded that entire universe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, it just is bringing in the Colonial Marines. 
blockbuster, you know, turning it into an action film rather than a slasher film put on a spaceship. So, yeah, excellent. Glad Sigourney Weaver's doing podcasts. I mean, feel free to come on ours. Anytime, Sigourney. I know yeah, seriously. Work, I, I, absolutely. Like, open pass. And we will come be 100% on. professional about it the entire time. <laughs> yes, well, yes, maybe. <laughs> It will definitely be an experience you will never forget, Mrs. Peter. <laughs> All your friends. That's the podcast to be on. we got the fingers to the pulse of the horror of the world. Yes, we do. Yeah, it's what we do. <laughs> what? It's what I got to do. <laughs> All right. So what else do you got for us? And then I just... I felt the need to talk about this tonight, but uh, back in 1985, there was a drug smuggler. Uh, His name was Andrew Thornton. Uh, And Mm -hmm. Andrew Thornton was making a cocaine run uh, from Colombia. He was flying his plane from Colombia back to the United States. And I don't know what the circumstances were, but he ended up uh, dumping uh, part of his shipment from the plane and then bailed on the plane himself to, to, to skydive out of the plane. But apparently, he hit himself on the tail of the plane and then fell down dead, was found in someone's driveway. Uh, apparently, months later, a 175-pound black bear uh, was found dead uh, in the wild. And when they investigated the bear, uh, it turns out the bear was packed full of uh, like 15 pounds of cocaine, uh, and had no. died from uh, numerous, numerous uh, like results of that, such as cerebral hemorrhages, respiratory failure, hyperthermia, uh, renal failure, heart failure, stroke. They said, uh, you name it, uh, the bear had it. And going into production uh, this summer, uh, going to be directed and produced by Elizabeth Banks. Uh, the feature film Cocaine Bear uh, will be slowly uh, trudging its way across the tundra to the big screen. I listened to a podcast based on Cocaine Bear, which happened in 1985 in Kentucky, and just this bear being found in the woods ODing on cocaine. Like, just It's the greatest fucking story, like. A gigantic bear. Yeah, this is, this is going to be a thriller based on the true events. Um, and I saw this story, and I just, I, I just felt compelled, just compelled, yeah, uh, to share this uh, with with my my fellow hosts here, as well as our our loyal listening audience. So, uh, you know, at some point, uh, the the cocaine bear is going to amble onto the, the big screen. Are we, are we going to have Dookie Hauser? <laughs> are we going to have Dookie Hauser riding on top of a cocaine bear through the woods? <laughs> Patrick Harris, the shirtless, riding on the back of cocaine bear. <laughs> cocaine bear, <laughs> hole. <Yeah. laughs> that wasn't you can call it. Show you a bear that died with cocaine. <laughs> hey everybody, look, it's cocaine bear. Oh. With smoking cigarettes and running around the woods. Eyes dilated as fuck. It just keeps running. Why does it just keep running? Why, why does it ever fucking stop? Because cocaine bear. Yeah, baby. Yeah, man. 
You can tell me that smoking the bears is smoke. You could take him in a fight. I get it, Cody. This is a cartoon character. Where, where the fuck is he? Tom Next for Toonie Terrors. <laughs> Toy lineup. Cocaine Bear. <laughs> yeah, I would love to change those six figures. Just have it on my shelf. It's covered in cocaine. Cocaine <laughs> Bear. Uh, love it. I, Apparently, I it is a can't... legendary uh, true story. Mm-hmm. It is. Ninety five in Kentucky. But yeah, all right. So moving on from the the amazing cocaine bear. Uh, what do you have next? <laughs> I mean, that was. I mean, that's like that was it. Like how how could how could you follow cocaine bear? But uh, you know, I, I guess this is sort of like loosely genre related. But I just happened to see that the the upcoming uh, Mortal Kombat film. I know some of you have talked about that on this show before, uh, but it has officially yeah. been given an R rating for strong, bloody violence and more. Oh, sweet. That is that is awesome that we're getting an R-rated Mortal Kombat movie. Oh, fucking hardy shit right now. Calling <laughs> <laughs> Fucking sold me when they, when they said that with a guess. Unapologetically brutal. Sign me the fuck up. I'm ready. I need it. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. So and that's scheduled for release on HBO Max. Uh, like within the next month or two. Is is that right, King? Uh, April. The believe, Mortal yeah. Kombat uh, film is looking like it is hitting HBO Max on April 16th. There we go. Sweet. And again, an <laughs> R rating for strong, bloody violence and language throughout. <sighs> so, you know, for those that are excited about Mortal Kombat, um, yeah. and you want blood and <laughs> violence, uh, there you have it. Yeah. So, parents, we're, t- we're, we're, we're telling you right now, it's rated R. For lots and lots of nasty, nasty shit. So if you sit there and whiny ass motherfuckers, then shut up. Don't let your kids watch it, and just let the rest of us enjoy the fuck out of this movie. <laughs> All right. So next. Um, I mean that was really it. What I said. Speaking of like bloody violence, um, because this came up on our show a couple weeks ago, um, I did want to uh, to ask uh, if anybody got a chance to uh, check out those insane Netflix action movies uh, that I talked about directed by um, Timo Tejanto, the, the director who's going to be directing the Train to Busan American uh, remake, uh, the ones I was talking about. Did anybody get a chance to see those? I, I have not. I Headshot haven't downloaded, and the night comes have for us. Not, yeah, I haven't downloaded, but I have not had a chance to watch them yet. Okay, just just asking, just asking. I'll keep checking on that once in a while. Uh, I'm just curious to see, uh, you know, what people uh, ha- happen to think about those because I think they're pretty fucking awesome. I'm looking forward to them. Yeah, I know. This is said that I've downloaded them myself. I just haven't gotten around to watching them yet. I have like a backlog of movies right. that I still have to get. So I mean, I'm there's always a backlog. <laughs> always a backlog. <laughs> Because it seems like every time I feel like I'm caught up with 2021 releases for R, like there's another movie I want to watch. 
that's like fucking old or <laughs> something I haven't seen. I got like five movies that came out this year that I still have to watch so I can make my list before the end of the year. So, yeah, I'll watch that next week. And, you know, I just watched the new one. Turn. I was like, I got that for the way, but I forgot to watch another one. I was like, yeah. Every time I pick them out, like, there's just another one I have to get on. So, yeah. <laughs> I try to do at least two or three well, a weekend. That's that's. I mean, look, that's that's quite that's quite a run. I mean, three a weekend. Man, I haven't like watched three movies in the last month except for the show. So that's awesome. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> that covers the different items that I had to discuss on this portion of our broadcast this evening, and I know. The King of Horror is probably very uh, excited uh, to talk about uh, his pick because uh, it's King of Horror Night on Talking Terror. It is King of Horror Night. Yeah. I'm <laughs> One I'm always excited. Um, traditionally, I always try to go a little bit older, as you guys know. Uh, 70s and 80s are usually the wheelhouse that I go for with my movies. But every now and then, there's a new one that comes out that's fairly recent that I I really kind of just jam with, and I really kind of appreciate for what it is. Maybe it's because it's got a certain thing that throws me back to the 70s and 80s, or there's a certain theme in the movie that I really kind of dig on. So that's why tonight I picked The Dark and the Wicked from 2020, directed by Brian Bertino. Uh, it made my number two spot on my top five of 2020 horror movies. Obviously, we discussed by number one, which was After Midnight. But again, if I had not seen After Midnight... And I just completely skipped over it and just watched Dark and the Wicked. It would have made my number one. Um, and I'll explain that after I give the synopsis. But the synopsis for the movie is that on a secluded farm, a man is slowly dying. Bedridden, his final breaths, his wife is slowly succumbing to overwhelming grief. To help their mother say, and say goodbye to their father, siblings Louise and Michael return to their family farm. It doesn't take long for them to see if there's something wrong with mom, though. Something more than just her heavy sorrow. Gradually, as their own grief mounts, Louise and Michael begin suffering from a darkness similar to their mother, marked by waking nightmares and a growing sense that something dark and wicked is taking over their family. So that is just a brief synopsis of what goes on in the movie. Again, why I picked it is because there's just something about the way Brian Bertino shoots his movies that I really do appreciate. He did it with The Strangers, which is his debut film, and he kind of does it again with The Dark and the Wicked, where he takes things and he makes you feel like you're in, not just in that scenario, but does a great shot of showing you things from afar, showing you things just out of frame until it's in frame that I really do appreciate. And this is one of those movies where I really love uh, satanic movies that are not just about possession. It's not just about a girl or a boy getting possessed and a priest coming in and saying, I'm going to save their soul. I like these slow dread movies where the devil is outside your door until he's inside and you don't know how he got in, but he's in and it's just an overwhelming sense of dread and evil uh, and just everything permeating throughout. It's not just a simple exorcism movie. And that's why when a movie like this comes about, I'm excited. And I was excited when I saw the first trailer. And after I watched it, I said, I got to get this one because this is one that I really want to have a good conversation about. Uh, so as we kick it off, uh, Dean, what did you think about the dark and the movie? Um, so this was your number two of 2020. Is that correct? You said, you just said that? Yes. All right. So, uh, I, I liked it. Um, it, I wasn't sure, uh, what direction 
ultimately this was heading. And that is the main thing uh, that I liked about it. It kept me thinking and guessing uh, the whole way through, and I certainly appreciate that. I feel uh, we can probably all agree, given the sheer volume of these types of films that we watch, that uh, often the case uh, is that uh, at some point we find the predictability uh, because we've seen uh, so much. But uh, I, so I appreciated that uh, I was continuing uh, to, to, to guess what was happening or second guess my thoughts. I also very much appreciated that kind of slow, uh, dread, uh, slow burn uh, atmosphere uh, that was created in this film. I, I felt that the, the, the kind of creepy uh, atmosphere was just kind of like spilling off the screen uh, as I was watching it, which, you know, certainly went a long way in, in keeping me engaged uh, throughout. So uh, this was this was a good one. I was a fan of The Dark and the Wicked. Okay. Uh, Monkey, what did you think about The Dark and the Wicked? This movie, it, like, when you when you break it down, man, this movie is pretty much just a haunted house movie. It, that's that's all it is. It's We, we have all, all of the tropes that break this thing down. You know, you have the people that are already in the situation that aren't really talking about the situation. All right. Then you have the people that show up and then get stuck into the middle of the situation. Okay. And then they are now involved in the haunted house. Then you have, excuse me, you know, some kind of sacred book that you read from to get your information from, to tell you what's going on in the haunted house and possibly how to fight what's going on in the haunted house. Then you have your things start to show up and they start to creep around in some way, shape, or form, working their way around the haunted house. Then you get to your resolution of trying to figure out how to end the haunted house or get out of the haunted house. This was all of that in this movie. They just, instead of a haunted house, they broke it down into a haunted plot of land, if you will, okay, is what it all boiled down to. And I don't like haunted house movies. I fucking hate haunted house movies. They just annoy the shit out of me. This movie, though, like, did it good, man. It, because it was just a haunted house movie. It was full of jump scares. You know, it's full of the things that just annoy the hell out of me. But it did it in a really good way of still staying classy, you know, still getting the job done. And not coming across as a watered-down PG-13 thing of we're just doing musical stings to just do musical stings to sit there and, you know, get the jump count added in the movie. Um, yeah, this movie was well-written. You know, it, it kept you pulled in once it got going after the fucking first 30 minutes. But after that, though, yeah, it, it kept you going. And, it, you know, it, no, see, it kept you enga- engaged. Yeah, I'm done. Uh, Go ahead. Dean. I just want to I just want to step in there because like my thoughts my thoughts about and I've I've said this on the show plenty but my thoughts about uh haunted house movies uh, are different than yours. I am a I'm a big fan of haunted house movies. Um things that uh you know films that have to do with the supernatural like haunted house stories and ghost stories um you know done well are you know some of my favorite departments of the genre. And uh, while I, I hear what you're saying about this film being a haunted house film, 
Um, one of the things here, as the story continued to unfold, that had me second-guessing, say, Haunted House uh, film is, is how far outside of the house that the, the, the haunting, or as we were trying to figure out exactly what it was, how far of a reach it had leaving the property. Uh, so that was a yeah. thought that I had as well watching this film, especially, um, you know, we're, we don't really get an indication as far as how far away, uh, you know, the farmhand Charlie, uh, like how far away his, um, his dwelling is. Like if it's, if it's the small, you know, like building on the property or is it in town or down the road? But also uh, when Michael uh, leaves and returns home and we'll get to, you know, all of these sequences. I'm not going to talk about what happened there, but, uh, when he was talking about leaving on the phone, like he said that he had been driving for hours and driving all night. So he was obviously going, you know, far away. Um, and, and there was still the reach where, wherever it was that his home was. So, um, I liked how it just wasn't confined to, you know, to, to that, to the, to the, to the property itself. Yeah. That's what I'll say. It's basically a haunted house story. You know, is you know, you have all these niches in here, you know, of the tropes there, and make it that, you know. But yeah, as we get into it, yeah, because I have other things too about, like you were saying, about the actual range of this haunting, and then ideas about possible expansion of the haunting. But you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we'll get to that. Um, I think if you want to, if you want to put a label on it, as far as like where it would fit in a particular subgenre, I guess you could say that the the bones of a haunted house film are there. I mean, I hear what both of you guys are saying, and I kind of agree, you know, for the most part with, with both what you're saying. But I think it's more so um, not necessarily a haunted house film, more than just a haunted people film. I think that's the biggest thing, and it's because uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, uh, lack of faith. Um, when you have none and the devil comes calling and what do you do in that situation? Uh, but also I think a big proponent of this movie and that one of the things I kind of vibed on because I kind of relate to it uh, is the lack of communication that happens within this family. Obviously, yeah. Michael, a wife, Becky and two daughters, he's living a life on his own. Louise is kind of uh, single and doesn't really have a direction in her life. And of course her, their parents are living on this farmhouse that, where they own a bunch of goats and by themselves and the mother very much just, well, we'll take care of ourselves. Don't worry about it. Don't come home. You know, obviously you find out that don't come home has more sinister connotations as we go on. But at first I kind of related to it because that's kind of the way I am with my family. Like we are a family unit, but we are by no means close by any means. Like, yeah, we care about each other because we are a family unit, but at the same time, you know, we, I don't talk about my problems to my parents. I don't talk about my problems to my brother. And we don't talk about our problems together. We, it just isn't a problem. You know, we, that's how we just handle everything. And that's where this family kind of comes off as as well. Like, you know, yeah, we're doing the right thing. We're being by our dad while he's dying, but I don't really give a fuck anymore. Like, it's over. Like, you know, he, he's going to pass and we'll take care of things. And then we're just going to wrap this thing up. You know, I'm going to go back home and you're going to go back home. And then it's going to be that way. So that was my kind of takeaway throughout the movie. Yeah, and also um, on top of that, it's like of all the weird things that are going on, you know, the the things that the mother of the family has been going through, and 
doesn't bother to tell, you know, either of her children, you know, shit's kind of fucked up around here. You know, some shady fucked up shit's been going on, you know, and she's been, has had no problem, you know, making a log of it and recording, you know, what she thinks she's been seeing and what she thinks she's been hearing and feeling and stuff like that, but doesn't bother to tell the kids now that they're actually there, you know, on the flat of the land. And same thing with our two siblings, you know, um, as as things are happening now to themselves, you know, be, being there in the environment, stuff is starting to happen to them. But again, Andy, like you said, you know, your family and my family too, because you know, f- fuck, you know, we're half English, so you know, we only sh- we only show you know compassion and caring to our pets. <laughs> we don't actually do that to family members. <laughs> so yeah, but even yeah. the siblings, you know, Louis, Louise and Michael, when they too start to go through stuff. No one is actually bothering to talk to each other and be like, yeah, some kind of fucked up shit's happening. Yeah. It's just well, the, the mother is well, nervous as much in that. Yeah, go ahead, Dean. Well, you know, like like you had said and like you had made the connection uh, to, you know, your personal situation about how your, your siblings, your parents, you know, you don't talk about your problems. You don't talk about your problems with each other. Um, I get, you know, I immediately got the sense uh, that this was not a close, forget about talking about problems, uh, but that this was not a like close loving family. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you know, given the distance, uh, given the just kind of overall cold vibe uh, in the house uh, when, when they arrived, when, uh, when Michael and Louise arrived, um, mom's reaction uh, to them being there, obviously, you know, dad is, um, you know, unresponsive and uncommunicative, but um, the 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 strong sense of Michael and Louise, uh, you know, that they that they have to stay, um, you know, was uh, given that vibe was you know surprising to me. Whether that came from a place of obligation or a place of of guilt, um, you know, it did not seem to be coming from a place of love. Uh, so it, it makes me curious about, uh, you know, what the family dynamic had been, uh, going back to when, uh, dad was younger and healthy and like what life might've been like growing up in that family. Um, you know, what the relationships were like once the kids were old and moved off on their own and so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. It was a good choice color than he did too throughout the movie. It's a very cold film in terms of color, you know, even in the house, it's not a very warm and bright, inviting home. You know, there's not a lot of pictures on the wall of the grandkids. There's not a lot of pictures on the wall of the kids or the parents together. It's just a very, very quiet, cold home altogether. Yeah. And um, also, you know, echoing on what the Dean said there, you know, about, you know, just showing up and having to take care of stuff, you know, you also have the, the thing about when Louise and Michael show up and, you know, they're talking to mom, you know, and, you know, she's just making dinner or whatever. And it's like, you know, they're asking what's going on with the farm. And they said, you know, dad just said, just keep the farm running. Like, you know, so apparently they left, you know, Louise and Michael left and went and do their thing. And it was up to mom and dad to just keep doing what they're doing, like keep it going. And now I guess maybe, you know, now that they're there, they start to pitch in and start to work around the farm again. You know, it's like, I don't know if 
they're feeling some kind of guilt or, you know, some, some kind of like, you know, being honor bound, you know, of, hey, you know, mom said we have to keep the farm going. If anything, maybe while we're here, we can help out, you know, but again, it still seems, still feels very, very forced. You're not still feeling a lot of love in all of this situation. Yeah, and I think even the nurse taking care of the father, David, she even says at one point, like, don't worry about this, guys. I got this. Like, I'm a nurse. I can take care of him. But Louise, like you had said, feels kind of honor-bound in a way to take care of her dad. Like, you know, it's okay. I'm going to stay. And you get the sense that she doesn't really have anything going on anyway. So why not stay here with my mom and dad and and take care of him while he's dying? Um, And it's the mother, of course, going through these things as we see. Uh, earlier with the chair turning around by itself and seeing the shadow of some kind of a demonic entity in the, the barn with all of the, the goats. Um, something is obviously on her back that she's not telling them about. And after Michael tries to confront her about it and she just passes him off saying, it's really not what you think and you guys shouldn't have just came here. You guys should just leave. So, okay, fine. I'm not going to ask you anymore. I'm not going to talk about it. Like, I'll just go to bed. But as he does, the mother decides that she's going to continue chopping up carrots over and over <laughs> again while there's just something pounding and pounding and pounding until she finally gets to her fingers and then chops right through them, but then continues and continues to chop them up into finer and finer pieces. You're obviously not screaming in pain, but obviously feeling it, but cutting through it um, and leading her body to be discovered by Louise in the barn, which is interesting because when you do see it, there is nothing underneath her feet to show that she could have done this by herself. Like Louise had to get a little wash basin and stand on it to cut her down. And that's something that Michael will go back to at a certain point. Um, how the hell did she get up there? You know, there's no way that she could have done this by herself. Yeah. And the cops were like, you know, the, when the cops investigated, they said it was the wash basin, and he was like, "Louise, you had to go way over there to go get the wash basin. How did she put herself up there?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just no possible I, way, I, and it's, yeah, unless she used a unless she used a sheep and climbed on top of the sheep and then did it and then chased the sheep away. You know those those lovely goats, no? which is uh, another <laughs> reference to. I love the fact that it's a goat farm, which is just another connotation of evil. That's the way goats have always been portrayed. But um, it, we get that other sense of when, after the mother has passed from suicide, uh, when Charlie goes with Louise and Michael um, to the place where they bury their favorite goats, like Violet. You know, it's a special little area. And that's when Michael and Louise get into an argument about they should have talked to her. You know, she cut up her fucking fingers. Like, we should talk to her. And he storms off, leaving Charlie to kind of hold on to Louise and console her, where it should have been Michael doing it. Of course, we see that they just, they're just horrible communicators. Like, yes, they should have yeah. talked to her more. Yes, they should have figured it out more. But instead, they're all just kind of wrapped up in their own world and not really seeing the bigger picture of what's happening. Yeah. You know, and things start to get weirder when, you know, Louise uh, finds her mom's journal. And starts to read things from the journal about the weirdness that's going on in the house that's been going on, you know, and and yeah, and this is, this is where I like it because again, this is where, you know, you you have, you know, your sacred book of some kind, and this is giving you the backstory of what that has been going on on the farm. And again, it's like, 
your kids are there and you think you're seeing all these things. You think evil things are happening to your dad. It's like, again, talk, you know, (laughs) just be like, Hey, some kind of fucked up shit's going on. And (laughs) you guys might want to know about this. (laughs) And this is uh, the one scene that early on, you know, before everything turns to shit for this family that I really did like. And it's when Louise is showering and she hears a commotion outside thinking that it's Michael, you know, give me a second. And then when she pulls the curtain aside, it's her father with these white eyes and he's just convulsing horribly and scares her half to yep. death. So she's on the shower, you know, hugging herself and, and crying. Michael runs in and he goes, the fuck? Well, fuck. Like, and just looks at her like he's pissed, you know, that she's screaming her yeah. head off and crying on the floor. And goes, are you okay? Like, what happened? You know, did you fall? Is something wrong? No. He looks at her and then just kind of storms out of the bathroom. And then when he confronts her later when she's smoking, I don't want to talk about it. I was like, that's the fucking plot of this movie. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> you know, that's, 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 movie. that's a, that's a good point. And, and uh, it's an excellent point because uh, if these characters just could have had a conversation, uh, they both realize mm-hmm. that each of them in their own way was experiencing or were experiencing some pretty – some pretty fucked up things. Uh, you know, they give little uh, little bits to each other here and there, uh, but they never just go the full route and say, hey, here is something that completely happened to me. Um, and, like, talk about it and, and make a game plan and, and realize... I mean, at, at, it gets to a point when they do, but as these things between uh, each of them that are happening individually, if they just would have come together and been like, there's some fucked up shit going on. Like maybe the outcomes might've been a little bit different. Yeah. If well, they yeah. just taken the time. Yeah. And after, you know, she doesn't want to talk about it. That's when Michael starts flipping through the diary as the, the monkey had said that she had, that the mother had been keeping. And one of the lines was, I know he's there in the darkness. Help me, help me, please. He's killing David. There's nothing I can do to stop it. Devil, devil, devil. He wants David's soul. And Michael's like, well, that's fucking weird. Right. Well, all right. Well, anyway, I'm going to bed. See ya. Like, what? <laughs> so it's a conversation about the fact that our atheist mother is writing about the devil uh, in her diary. You don't want to talk about that? Nah. Nah. Like, you know, let's go yeah. to tend to. Let's yeah. just go down well, to the we'll morgue say- and our <laughs> Yeah. And, yeah, I was getting ready to say, and they go down to the morgue and, you know, they, uh, excuse me. You know, talk, talk to the guy that runs the place, and for some reason, their atheist mom has a pocket full of crosses given mm-hmm. to them at Sunday school, even though she never goes to church. <laughs> She's never gone to church, <laughs> but for some reason, she she has a and it's a shit load of crosses, like just metal metal crosses that were just hang that were just loose in her pocket. A baggie full that they found on her when they they mm. the body to the morgue, and like you said, they're they're atheists. You know, they don't go to church. They don't believe in heaven or hell, and that's what you know starts to become the the ongoing theme in this movie moving forward is about belief and how you know evil doesn't need you to believe in it to be evil. Like a wolf doesn't need for you to believe in it in the woods to want to eat you, <laughs> and I think. Great parallel. Like you, you don't have to believe in something for it to come. That was an awesome line. (laughs) 
apropos to, to it. Um, so they do discover that. And it's also things are starting to happen to Michael and Louise. I mean, we are um, at Thursday now. They came on Monday. We're now at Thursday in the film. Um, and while you have Louise checking on her dad and lotioning up his hands and taking care of him, he begins to cough and a spider crawls out of his mouth all over his chest and under the blanket. Nope. I'm not stopping and I'm, I'm running out of the room. I'll wait for that fucking ghost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was going to say, I know how you are King. As soon as you saw that, you were screaming like a girl and you would have ran. I'm going to stay at Red Roof Inn. I'm not staying here anymore. Fuck those spiders. <laughs> or, or, or you would have gone the complete opposite because I've seen you do both. All right, is you would have sat there and screamed, and then grabbed your shoe, and you wouldn't give a shit if it was your dying dad or not. You would have started beating that shoe on your dad's chest just to scare bodily get that spider. But you were gonna beat the shit out of your passed out dad just to get that fucking spider. <laughs> He probably can't feel it. I mean, he's in a comatose state. It's not going to matter. As long as the spider's dead, I'm pretty sure. He can handle it. Yeah, because when I was watching that scene, that's what was running through my head. And then I was imagining you in the situation that your brother comes running in. It's like, what the fuck? He just stopped. He's got a shoe in your hand. You're like, spider. <laughs> My brother's just a shoe, by the way. It's not like he's a big macho guy. I mean, put a fucking man leaning against the door. I go, did you get it? And like, yeah, yeah. I got it. And he bought the shoe. His old shoe comes handy. That's what we have this shoe. But um, it's another thing of her. I don't want to talk about it. It was a spider. I don't really want to talk about it. Good night. <laughs> Once again, it's a you know just not even want to talk about it. But now Michael through, throughout this kind of hasn't really experienced anything. He's very hesitant to kind of say whether or not this is kind of something haunting until he starts seeing his mother outside of the window levitating. And I'll be like, ooh, that's fucking cool. But no, yeah. Now do you believe Michael? <laughs> There's something fucked up happening in this. Do you want to talk about it? Michael? Do you want to maybe kind of sit down, sit here and share a beer and a cigarette and talk about? It? No. Okay. And just go back to bed. It's fine. <laughs> but okay, but this is also where I was really enjoying, like like you said, you know, th- now we start to get into parameters of where is the haunted house, and you know, how far does it reach, and stuff like that, because we know something definitely reaches. <clears throat> excuse me, you know, where the animals are. Now we're seeing stuff outside in the yard, and then like next cut, we see it in the room with Michael. You know, so mm-hmm. we're yep. definitely seeing, you know, things aren't confined le- like they are in a normal haunted house. Things are definitely happening really weird, and there is a range here. Yeah, they could, and, and we'll see how far that range goes as we move on. Um, and think, like I said, things are starting to happen. Uh, Louise wakes up and finds that her face is all marked up by lipstick. And when she goes to her father's bed, there's a tube of lipstick in the bed, so... He's kind of having a good time. Like, she got drunk, and he wrote, like, penis on her forehead. Like, you know, in the middle of the night. <laughs> you know, Always remember to take the shoes off. 
<laughs> never, never pass out with your shoes on. <laughs> drink your Ovaltine. Yeah, always drink your Ovaltine. But uh, throughout the course of Friday, Michael comes home from running errands and discovers there's an old priest outside played by Xander Berkeley, who you might remember from the latest seasons of The Walking Dead or in Candyman, you know, one of my favorite movies we talked about. But Xander Berkeley, as this old priest, uh, is just fantastic. Because right from the gate, you don't really know if you can trust him fully or not. Because he's very quiet, very stoic type of guy and just saying, listen, your mom was a very scared and lonely woman. I kept her company and, and tried to help her. I didn't know anything about this diary. I didn't know anything about like her talking about the devil. And Michael, being the strong atheist he is, goes, yeah, old man, you put that idea in her head, didn't you? Man of the cloth, my ass. <laughs> You told her about the devil, and that's why she got so scared. I didn't do anything, Michael. Like, I didn't do anything to your mother other than talk to her. And like we had said earlier, that line of, do you really think a wolf cares if you believe in it? Do you really think it's going to care that, you know, you don't believe something wants to eat you? The devil's not outside. The devil's already here. Like, and then leaves. <laughs> After being told, he just leaves by letting him know, you're fucked. The devil's not waiting for you outside. The devil's not. Yeah, and, yeah, and I, I, you know, Andrew, just reiterate what you said. I really, really liked it. He said, it's not up there anymore. It's it's in the house. You know, just, just so you guys know, it's in here now. <laughs> Good luck yeah. over here now. And it, it, and it is kind of an old trope to kind of have the doomsayer. You know, I mean, it, it's not something new, but I think Xander Berkeley kind of it's adds. It's got a death curse. curse. It's got a death curse. <laughs> Thank you, Crazy Ralph. <laughs> But he's, a, he's a, like you think that if you're a God fearing person, especially in the fucking heart of Texas, where it's just like you know God City down there, people that believe in it, you think of all people you could believe in this elderly priest, you know that's telling you what I just wanted to care about her, but you know I'm here to help you if you need me, I am here, and they immediately say get the fuck out of this house, man. Okay, <laughs> I guess you guys don't want to talk about it. I will be on my way. <laughs> Hope your dad's okay. <laughs> and it's when I got frustrated with Michael. I was like, you have a guy basically saying I'm willing to help you and you tell him to get the fuck out? <laughs> no. You need to say, all right, we as a family need to come together and talk. We need to talk about what's going on. We don't need to push it under the rug and just kind of hope for the best because the best isn't coming. Well, but that's because, like you said, the whole movie's about, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> right, but what the whole movie should have been about, especially when it comes to uh, Michael and Louise, should have been about, even if we don't have a conversation about this now, uh, we should have been able to look each other in the eye and either say it out loud or send some telepathy to each other, that sibling telepathy that says, let's get the fuck out of here immediately. <laughs> Uh, They were told from the get-go, you shouldn't have come here. Uh, Everything that they have experienced up to this point has said to them, don't be here. You shouldn't be here. They should have hauled ass. They shouldn't have – I don't want to get ahead of the plot, but they they should have left. They should have hauled ass very soon, much sooner uh, than Michael chose to. They should have been out of there. 
yes, but again, these, these are white people in a horror movie. They don't leave the haunted area. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know. I was thinking of that same thing, too. <laughs> that, that's what good. white people do. <laughs> good out. Oh, man, look at that. There's blood running down the walls. Oh, don't worry, honey. We can paint right over that. <laughs> But that would be a selling point for me to move into a house like that. I'd be like, oh, man, the walls bleed? Like, that's fucking cool. Like, I'm moving into this house. You mean the shower? That's a feature. I will will never have to wash these walls. Look at it. It does itself. Look at that self-scrubbing action. (laughs) And when people come over, it tells them when to leave. It just writes, get out and blood on the wall, and they know it's time to go home. Look at the perfect house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck Alexa. That's that's what you need is just a possessed house. <laughs> yeah, it's like, man, you know, it's like fucking midnight. I want to go to bed. What the fuck are they still doing here? Get out. Oh, you know what? The fucking ghost is angry, guys. I can't help that. <laughs> you heard him. <laughs> Guess so next week. Same time. <laughs> After everyone leaves, you're just like, I love you, Alf. <laughs> oh yeah, that's nice. That means you can't. Hail And hail yourself. Most importantly, hail yourself for getting those people out of here. I love your walls of drip blood. It's just a feature I've always wanted in my life. Thank you. <laughs> um, and Michael are very white and they are not leaving like they are just going to hang out there as they need to doesn't matter if people telling them left and right you need to go you need to go they're going to stay um, at night as they are debating once again if this is real what their mother wrote in the diary she was just crazy we see that well, we see something outside doesn't know what it is just knows something outside Michael, being the, the rough and tough guy, he is, whoa, what's out there? I'm going to go out there and look. I don't see anything. Well, maybe you just, you know, need to back up because the fucking priest is outside at 3 o'clock in the morning. Why don't you all come out here? No, <laughs> right there. That's the message. The message that that whole thing is sending is get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. You guys are laying at home with your wives. You get up, and there's a fucking old priest outside going, hey, guys. Come outside. I'm like, no, man. I'm good in here. Why don't you go home? Go back to the church where you came from. <laughs> I got candy, little boy. <laughs> you want to come on outside? <laughs> I got a puppy. I got a puppy. <laughs> don't fall for it. Oh, man. Andy's already outside. He's looking for puppies, and he's like, no puppies out there. Don't He's got puppies and PBR. What could, what could go wrong? He's looking for some drug boy. Wait, wait, English spirit. Take it with you. I want PBR. Maybe evil puppies? Like, I'm okay with that. I don't care if their eyes glow a little bit. I just want to pet him. <laughs> Why would you let me pet the puppy? <laughs> you know, geez, uh, and I think you're going to come out that fast. I, I actually have to go back to my car and uh, get the puppy. If you didn't come here, uh, I'll be right back. Why is he running? He's coming to the car. Like, 
You know what, guys? I'm going to get some money. I don't, I don't think he's coming back with puppies in PPR. Oh, do you think so? It's been five hours. Well, maybe I'll just wait another hour. <laughs> These things get tired. You, know? you can get all the puppies in the car. You can get them stuff. You know, it's, it's a process. I mean, he's evil. He's thoughtful. <laughs> but no, not. comes back in a candy. Does a van that says free candy on the side? <laughs> yes, that would have fallen back. I don't like candy. But keep on driving, man. Yeah, got to go a little bit higher. <laughs> oh man, free twisters, CDs. Hell yeah! <laughs> I'm right in the car. Crack the tune. <laughs> what do you mean on this Hungry album? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for a reason, Michael, when they turn on the lights and they see that it's the father of the old priest, rather, his eyes are white, just like the father's was in the shower. And he quickly says, you want some rope? And then he just quickly goes away. And you just don't see him again. He's just in here. And again, I don't want to talk about it. Like, you would think this would be a discussion. Like, well, the phone's ringing, and we don't know why. That was just outside, disappeared. Michael, do you guys, you just want to, like, go to a, I don't know, like a fucking Hilton hotel for the night? Like, someplace <laughs> where we're not going to be by our mother or anything like that? No? No, you want to stay here with the ghost? We could take them with us, Michael. Mm. We could take some of them. <laughs> I'm sure they yeah, love because, Yeah, because every time the phone rang, that, that was uh, the mother on the phone, right? Is, is, is earlier? Is that yeah, how you it? Yeah, yeah, earlier. So you know, but, uh, yeah. Always at night. And I think it was. And then, and then also every time before something happens, you have that you know, wolf kind of, you know, wailing sound that's out there that you know it does it like three times before there's an incident. You know, and like, you know, no one's noticed, you know, hey, every time before something fucked up happens, you know, we have this wailing sound outside, like, you know, a wolf in heat or something like that, you know, maybe take note. Okay, when we hear those sounds, some bad shit's getting ready to happen. So, you know, either we strap in or get the fuck out, you know, because this seems to be happening every night. (laughs) Yeah, but in this case, like we had said, the second phone call is Charlie has been trying to reach them. He's in his home. You know, like the dean said, we don't know how far he lives from the, the farmhouse. I would imagine not very far because he's not exactly yeah, I mean, young he's the farm man. You know, but that, my, my question when, when, when I brought that up before was just like, you know, sometimes the farmhand has like base where he lives on the property. Uh, so I was just yeah. curious or wondering in my thoughts as I, watched, as I was watching is, is he, does he live on the property or is he elsewhere? Not, not thinking that he was very far away, obviously, if that's his job. Um, you know, he's not yeah. very far away, but that, that's all. Yeah, I would have to imagine he probably lives nearby because we, we do find out that it's been a couple of days since they've heard from him. It's not like they're walking over to this hut and they're like, hey, Charlie, where are you? We haven't heard from you in a couple of days. But <laughs> <don't imagine. laughs> walking, to, walking over to Hagrid's hut that happens to be on the school grounds. Harry, <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm off in here. Don't come in. What's that, Hagrid? I want to run magic. Sorry. Hagrid needs a lonely time. <laughs> don't, well, don't, don't, don't mind don't mind Haggard he's just got an S&M chick in, the, in here that's just cutting herself up <laughs> Haggard's kind of into that shit from time to time Harry 
Alka Jerkis off it. What'd you say? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I'm just uh, with, with my wand. <laughs> <laughs> but Charlie is in his, his home, and he obviously knows something's wrong. He's trying to reach them, and hearing a noise walks into the living room area of his home and sees Louise wearing a dress and just cutting herself with a large kitchen knife over and over again and talking in whispered, almost muted tones. So he has that shotgun in his hand to defend himself, but it's not going to really do good against evil, uh, but it might do good if you put it in your mouth and blow your head off, because that's the only way you're getting out of it. <laughs> yep. It's great flavor. <laughs> but, um, fantastic effect seeing her up against his face, whispering to him angrily until the point where he just puts that gun in his mouth and Kurt Cobain's himself right to hell. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, this scene I enjoyed a lot just because I always love when they do that um, moving along that super fast motion, you know, where they like almost cut the frames. Just you know, just, yeah. just to sit there and give give that jutting feel. I, I always really, really yeah. like that in a movie. It's like just something about just creeps me the fuck out, and I just fucking dig it. Um, unfortunately, yeah. I was really let I was unfortunately really let down by the Kurt Cobain scene, just because like it wasn't much of a sprawl, dude. It was like it was just a little pop, but <laughs> it wasn't you know a full on you know sprawl over the place or anything like that. It was just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it did the effect for me. I mean, I didn't mind that it wasn't a huge head explosion. I, was, I wasn't looking for that. I just I knew that he was going to blow his head off, and, and he did. Um, but we find out that the next day, they're contemplating moving the dad to like a hospital, to another hospital. He can't be in his house anymore. They know there's something wrong here, and he can't be there. Unfortunately, if you move the guy, he's going to not even make it down the road. So why? Is there something wrong with his health care? Like, is there anything wrong with the nurse? No, we don't want to talk about it, Doctor. Thank you very much. So we'll get somebody else. We have yep, this let's theme. just not talk about, talk about it. About <laughs> so we're going to continue that tradition of not talking about uh, mm. what's happening, Doc. We're just going to get somebody else. Mm. Um, so we out that Charlie's not answering his phone. Louise gets the number off of the old priest when he first visited and calls him and just wants to talk to him, but this priest has no idea who the fuck she is. I don't know who you are. I don't know how you got my phone number to a hotel in Chicago, which is where I'm from. I've never been to Texas in my entire life, but I'll throw this fun tidbit at you. I had a daughter named Louise who died a couple years ago, and she actually sounds just like you. So the devil was in the house. You talked to him. That was the old priest. He took the image of an old priest just to get in your house and fuck with you. I thought that was so... Cool yep. of a twist. Ryan Bertino to put in the story that that priest was never there. That they were talking to the <laughs> devil. I also liked how the priest was getting upset because, you know, he was like, you know, I had a daughter named Louise. She died. You know, why are you even doing this to me? So they were trying to say, you know, you sound like my daughter and you're calling me, you know, from Texas of all places. What, what you're doing is a mean, mean joke. Yeah. And just, but of course you would be, you'd be angry. Like, why is this person calling me? He was probably trying to seduce a young boy in his hotel room, you know, pouring a couple of glasses of wine. And I'm like, why the fuck are you calling me right now? Like, this is inappropriate. <laughs> Call back. I don't even know you, but 
it's just a great way to show you that this is how the evil extends itself in this house, where it could actually manifest somewhere <laughs> to, to be there. <laughs> to, to, you know, just kind of, not even just kind of kill you, just to freak you out. Until you find out that you're really not to, safe. To, to, to we'll provide have, comfort and safety. Yeah. <laughs> and we have this nurse who, like we said, is taking care of the father, who is very much a believer in God, believer in love and believing in everything good. And she tells Michael that, you know, she likes to be there for somebody who doesn't have anybody when they die because she doesn't think that anybody should be able to die alone. And that if a soul is loved, it could be kept safe. Now, they don't really love each other in this family, so it's going to be kind of hard to keep a soul <laughs> safe and love to be had you know, in this particular family. Yeah. Michael kind of gets it, what she's saying, and but he still wants to go home. He doesn't want to be there anymore because, as he said numerous times in this movie, I lost my mother. I lost everything that I had. Fuck my father. Fuck my sister. Like, my mother was all I have. Now all I have is my, my wife. That... I'm just going to get home. Yeah. But reach that low. What happened? A goat comes skipping home without a leg, like all goats do at a certain point. Oh, all the time. <laughs> I, I'm surprised to hear you say that—that that you've never seen anything like that before. It's just—it's a common occurrence. Goats just happen to lose a leg and they just skip on home, and they're like, "Hey, I'm home. I just had a weekend, Vegas. It was crazy. Let me tell you about it." But yeah, this goat—that that goat's favorite music was hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> Dad jokes. <laughs> yeah, this be the the goat that survived a fucking massacre. And again, like I said, Brian Bertino with his shots, I thought he did a great job showing you just a fucking massacre field full of goats. And these are all of them, save for maybe five that were were able to be salvaged and be taken care of. And that's the five that. Michael really wants to care for. Like, if anything, he's there for the goats at this point. But, you know, I fucking hate my family, but, but I'll take care of these goats. That mama goat. But, but yeah, like you said, this entire scene, it was like, it was nice. It was spread out. You know, it was just, you know, carnage all over the place. They did a really good job of just, you know, just carcasses all over the place, all ripped up, you know, and with carcasses that much everywhere. dead shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but with all, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so so, what do you do with all that? You give them a Viking funeral, <laughs> have a giant yeah. pyre, <laughs> put them on the funeral pyre, and this is like you think this is going to be, you know, one of Michael's last stands because he's already called his wife saying he wants to come home. So while he's catering to one of the goats in the barn, that's when his mother appears to him. Now she's naked. And now she's rotting, just like she was on the table. Coming to very him attractive lady. Convince him to kill himself. Appearing behind him in a scare manner, throwing him on the ground where he has his knife out and putting it up to his neck. But good faces evil, and he wins the fight because he manages to get that knife away from his neck. But instead, he decides, "I'm fucking out of here." Best decision he's made the entire movie. Time to go. Yeah. Time to pack in. <laughs> Louis, this is your problem now. No, you take care of it because I got to go. I got to go home. I don't care about you. Yeah, I almost got prison shanked by by my dead naked mom. Uh, no, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Fuck you. Fuck the baby goats that I was just hugging and squeezing all over the place and shit like that. Nope. Done. 
fuck it. In my truck, and I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah, and and before this happens, we have the, the granddaughter of Charlie coming over to say, hey, yeah, so anyway, <clears throat> Charlie's dead. Um, I don't know if you knew this. Just kind of want to fill you in on some of the fun things that are happening in my family. Uh, I'm sorry about your mom. <laughs> but, um, hmm, can you smell Really me? sorry I blew up your mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you do you do you feel how close he is to you? And it's like, what? Like, you just say something really fucking evil to me? Yeah, I did because I'm fucking evil. <laughs> like, <laughs> appears behind her. And this poor girl, this poor woman, cannot get any relief from the evil that's in this house. She is fully into it now. Where now it's just coming and taking different forms of people and coming to her and attacking her. While Michael is fucking speeding back home. And Becky, I'm coming home, baby. I'm coming home to those kids. I love them. <laughs> I can't get to see them. And while, again, Louise, Marin Ireland does such a great performance in this scene where you could hear her screaming, like, you left me. You left me. Like, why did you leave? Like, we could, we could figure this out. Like, at, at finally, she's saying, we could talk about it. Hey, we could talk <laughs> about it. Like, you know, evil. Like, you know, just come on home. Like, you know, no, no, sorry. I'm, I'm out. This is your problem now. And then the nurse comes over. Well, I'm going to pray over your dad. I hear you're talking on the phone. Shh, okay. Yeah, you're crying. You're, you're upset. It's cool. I'm just going to light a candle. And, <laughs> you know, knit. Knit a little bit. You know, that's what I want. Yeah. You know. I, I picked up a Walmart Jesus candle. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to light my Walmart Jesus candle over here by your dad. You know, even though he's not Catholic and neither am I. <laughs> But, you know, hey, it's yeah. what we do. <laughs> well, she, I mean, she does admit that she's Catholic because she believes in God. So I think that she is Catholic. You know, that's why she, she gets that knockoff candle and that's like she's praying to her. But unfortunately, the, the evil of this house gets to her because why else would she do anything evil? I mean, it's just, she's such a nice nurse and she believes in God. So there's no way Satan is going to be taking this girl for a ride. No. No. Um, but she found a fun way no. to hide your knitting needles. You don't need them anymore. Which is directly <laughs> in your face. Like when you're when you're done well, with them, it's, it's it's not that she came across the evil in her mind and in her heart. She was following Jesus's word. Jesus was telling her to do this to herself. Jesus was showing her the path of what to do with those knitting needles. Because the, the entire time that she's going on, she's saying, I hear you, Jesus. I hear what you want me to do. Yes, I'll do what you say, Jesus. You know, I'll, I'll listen to what you say. Yes, yeah, I thought that the so evil her, took her over. You hear Louise crying and screaming on the phone. She starts to smile. And I was like, okay, so that might be the evil creeping in. But you are right, Monkey. I should give it to you that she does say that. Um, as she jabs them into her fucking eyes, one at a time. Yeah. You know, I could hear you. <laughs> I'm with you, knocking, knocking Louise out and dragging her into the living room. And man, she just goes to town on her stomach with a knitting needle, and raising her hands up to the heavens with a smile on her face before she just drops dead. And I think, well, <laughs> that's going to be hard now because now for Louise, when she gets up, she's going to be like, oh, my fucking head, this hurts. Now you got a big body you got to dispose of. And then you got your darn dad in the next room, and then you have the devil. So you got like three things going on at once. So it's, it's a horrible Sunday. This is not a good Sunday for this woman. 
Yeah, her social calendar is really fucking booked on Sunday. It is definitely not her day of rest. <laughs> She's got a lot of shit to take care of here. There is just so much. So much going on. So much to do. Excuse me. Um, but this is uh, what the dean was talking about earlier. This is what I want to get into. As far as how the reach goes for this particular evil. Um, because like yeah. the monkey had said, kind of at its basis, a haunted house film. And as the dean countered, well, how far does the evil go? And we find out how far it goes because Michael comes home to where he lives with Becky and his two daughters. And when he enters the home, he discovers that his wife, Becky, has killed their two daughters with a knife and then taken her own life in the process. Man, and the the shot is just so nice. It's just just everyone laying there. The the blood is just – it's a really, really good shot of just – fucked up this in the movie and you know just and you see it just hit him and slam him in the face of you know just what oh shit you know it's gotten this far well yeah i mean you have just escaped evil at your parents home you're coming home to your safe place which is with your wife and your kids and now they are gone so now you truly have nothing left to live for so that kind of makes the decision easy for him than it wasn't so easy earlier when he fought off the evil and took the knife away from his throat. Now it's easy. Well, I have nothing to live for anymore. I'm going to join my, my kids and my wife in heaven and the afterplace or wherever you want to go. Because he doesn't believe in it, so maybe he'll go someplace else with family. And he drags that knife across Tahiti. his throat. <laughs> maybe. Or Barbados. <laughs> I don't know. But he drags that knife across his throat and starts to bleed out. When he looks back over at the kitchen table, there's nothing there. There's nobody dead at the kitchen table. There's no <laughs> and he has that split second moment, and you see it in his eyes when he realized he's fucked up. That, that evil that was in the home got to him. And then you see his wife and his two daughters coming home. Like, oh, I got your father's home. There's the truck. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> shit. It's your birthday, but your dad's dead. <laughs> he's not just dead. He's he's bled out all over the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, man. And it was and, great. Yeah, they made it pale, like really pale, like you know, against the blood. I thought, I thought that was really good. Yeah, and it's just, and then it pops even more so just because you have this really nice, you know, bright. Everything in the house is bright white, you know, which is a stark, stark contrast from what we've been seeing from the entire movie as far as interiors for the farmhouse. You know, and it all, it almost like by this point in the movie, it's like what you see his house, you know, it, the interiors of his house. It's like, wow, you live in a place like this? Like I was expecting, like you know, <laughs> uh, you know, a rancher or some shit like that. I wasn't expecting <laughs> a nice house and shit like that, nice walls. But it just made everything else pop even more so when it got to the blood. Yeah, it's a, and it's a great contrast between where he had just come from where he comes from his parents' house, which is dark colors, blues, blacks, grays. And then, yeah, you go to this house, which is all yellows and oranges and, and white and very clean and very happy and, and inviting, you know, a place that you want to come to, you know, and then there's a body weighing on the floor bleeding out. You know, that, that, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, that, that sequence, that, that sequence uh, you know, it had me going. Um, you know, I was not, I was, I was all in on the fact that he had returned home too late. 
um, mm-hmm. and the fact uh, I kept focusing on the fact that there was a vinyl record playing, uh, which indicated to me that uh, like he was just late uh, because unlike streaming, like music isn't just going to keep playing. Like there's only so much runtime on the side of a vinyl record before it stops. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so all I was thinking was like, man, like you're just a few minutes too late. And then of course, um, you know, the, the, the continuous tricks of the devil have once again uh, foiled our original thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, now, here is something I wanted to put out there is, okay, so it was able to reach the home, okay? So now, just to put it out there for you guys, all right, he sat there and brought the devil now to his house. You know, that's how far it's been able to get. So now, does that mean the demon is now able to expand family as far as his wife and his daughter and then start to take possession of them as well? a good question. I mean, I, I would think that it would be able to if it was allowed, because I think that showing you that it has that reach of going from the farmhouse to his house, you know, it, it's evil. Like, it's not a physical person. It's a, it's a evil. So I think that that power could eventually seep into uh, the wife and the kids, you know, if they are, if they allow it, like if their minds are, are that way, where, you know, they, they are so upset and, and grief stricken that it comes in. And I think that's what happens in this movie. It's grief that that brings this thing. It's sorrow. It's, it's upset. It's the, you know that type of thing that brings it in. So that's what I was thinking. Is then there's you know the possibility of just it being able to expand and grow. You know, like a virus, just you know all over the place here. Because we know that stuff is still going on at the farm, and then it was able to reach him all the way out there. You know. And then would it then be able to reach his family? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think this is something that's going to just attach itself to to anybody that's vulnerable enough to not well, – you don't have to believe in it. I just think that you have to be vulnerable enough to, to allow it to, to take over your mind. And that's what it does to Michael. Right. And that's, you know, what it does to really, you know, because you think these are strong guys. You think mentally, you know, and, and physically they are strong guys and they wouldn't allow this to happen. Michael's very staunch in the fact that he's an atheist mm-hmm. and doesn't believe in hell and God or the devil, but it, it permeates through him because he just has that one little bit of vulnerability, which is his family. It's his wife and his kids. So that evil is able to reach that part of his mind and say, look at what happened. They're dead. You have no point in living anymore. Take your life. And that's what happens. Otherwise, he never would have done it. You know, if he never saw that. It never would have happened. He would have just continued to live his life and said, I'm sorry I left my sister, but I had to do what I had to do for my family. Yeah, good point. Again, that's, but that's all <laughs> part of that um, that kind of family rift, that not closeness, um, you know, that we've talked about throughout our discussion here, that the, the lack ofness within the relationships of these families. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think as we, we get into the final moments of this film, when we have Louise finally by herself uh, at nightfall, you know, coming outside the house because the front door is open again, um, she hears her father coughing and taking <laughs> <laughs> You coughed that. I know you did. <laughs> but she hears her father coughing.
shopping, and she goes in to help him. And then meanwhile, she hears her brother shouting for help outside, knowing that it's the evil causing that, that voice. So not believing that she's going to stay with her dad. And this is what happens as the candle goes out. She tells her father that she loves him and that she's never going to leave his side, which is ultimately what the nurse had said. If you love a person that's dying and that could protect that soul. So in a sense, she is protecting the soul by saying that she loves him, but it seems like it's too little too late because it's just like they tell you in Catholic school, you know, if you're dying, but you're a really fucking bad person, as long as you say, Hey God, sorry about that. You can go right up to heaven. doesn't matter. You know? So in a way, that's the way I felt about this. Like, yeah, I could tell my father who's dying. I love him. But at this point, it's too late for you because as soon as he dies, you're the last one in this family that's left. It's the evil is completely taken out everybody, and it's coming for you as we see. Whoa, yeah, shame. because she, because she says she loves him, and she's you you know if you want to stick with the theory of what's put in here, she is putting out her love to protect her father's soul, but then once he's mm-hmm. gone, who who's there to protect her? Right. Yep. Nobody left to protect her. She's left by and herself. And I just, and even <laughs> and I just fuck and I just fucking loved you know that ending scene, man. <laughs> it's really effective because yes, he dies. She cries for him. She loves him. She knows that he's gone because he takes that final breath. And then she hears her mother singing very faintly. But then you get that great moment in the horror film when there's just a very quiet beat, and then all of a sudden demonic entity comes out of nowhere and grabs her, and then we just go right to credits. Yeah. Explanations, no extra scenes. This is it. The evil has gotten what it wanted, and it got her. But I just love that it just everything goes quiet, and then you get that kind of a smash scare, which was earned for me. Like even the first time I saw it, even now, I'm like, you know what? That was an earned scare. I jumped a little bit when that happened. So it wasn't cheap. It wasn't like, if you can get me to jump a little bit, you're doing a good job. And this movie did it because it wasn't like they were doing it all over the place. Once you go over the place, I'm out. You have to constantly keep popping up and going and putting a sting behind your scares. I'm out because I'm not going to get scared anymore because I almost wait for it to happen. Yeah. And, and, and I, I really, you know, again, I always feel really happy and comfortable with the movies that have a very uncomfortable ending to them. You know, I, I would have been really, really upset if, she, you know, she said, I love you, and then, you know, everything would have been fine. You know, that would have just pissed me off like a mother. I, I really, really enjoyed that they did this and they fucked with your head and made you, left you with a sense of uncomfortableness at the end of this movie. So she tells her father that she loves him. All of a sudden, like the door opens up, and there's Billy D. Williams dressed all in white, going, "Hey, hey Louise, you won the game." <laughs> maybe not Billy D. Williams, but maybe maybe the evil dissipates because love has been found in the family, and it was the fracture of there not being love of which allowed evil to to creep in. And I'm glad that this film didn't try to go down some route uh, such as that, and just there was no. Uh, resolution. There was no happy ending. There was just everybody dies, evil wins, uh, the devil is victorious, and that's a wrap. That's right. Yeah. Because you just <laughs> it. Just talk about it. <laughs> you know, 
Mom's all freaked out, and then you find out that she's being haunted by the devil. Maybe take her out for some margaritas and be like, you know what? We can talk, girl to girl. What's going on? Like, what's up with this devil guy? Talk a little bit about it. Because then maybe you won't be fighting off the devil and having nurses stick their eyes out like you know, on a Sunday. It's a lazy Sunday. I'm supposed to be laying on the couch, over, watching MTV. I don't want to have to be dealing with dead bodies. <laughs> It's just such a trouble to clean up, <laughs> especially if they're poked full of holes from knitting needles. Do you have any idea how much blood is in the human body? <laughs> There's so much. There's just so much blood, and then you got to drag it outside, and then you got to figure out, and then you, who knows if people are going to come looking for it. No. Just, in the end, talk to your fucking family. It's not that hard. <laughs> they say, you know what, I'm being haunted, and I feel like I'm going to hell. They're like, well, guys, let's just go out. Let's have a steak. And then we'll just be like, you know what, the devil sucks. We love each other. That's all you need to know. Be gone, evil demon. Like, you know, there it is. Then it's gone. Don't have to worry about it anymore. You don't have to worry about any fingers getting chopped off or evil priests showing up at 3 o'clock in the morning, TBR and evil puppies. No. It's all resolved. That's how you fight the people. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was kind of wicked. So I'm really glad that you guys enjoyed it. I know. I, I really enjoyed it. And it is on Shudder. Everybody at home listening, if you want to watch it, it is on Shudder. That fantastic series you're talking about. Not sponsored, but fingers crossed one day. One day, guys. You know, Shudder's going to be like, those guys always <laughs> talk about it. Home a bone and, you know, get a Shudder, uh, you know, subscription after them and a, and a sponsorship. But, uh, Monkey, it is your pick. So what do you have for it? Ooh, tell us, Monkey. Tell yes. Us. So we've been sticking with creepy and just stuff that's been making us feel uncomfortable. And I, I kind of like it. I want to keep it going. Uh, so, but we're going to go back a little bit. We're going to go back a lot. <laughs> we're going to go back to 1955. Yeah, we're going back to 1955. Robert Mitchum, The Night of the Hunter, is my pick. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, that is an excellent dress. Where can where can Love one it. watch this film, Monkey? Is available <laughs> to rent on Amazon Prime or wherever you like to rent your stuff. But yeah, so that's what we're gonna have to do for next week. Uh, we've done it right, before. Robert Mitchum, uh, Shelley Winters. All right, yeah, we'll see what's what here. Peter Graves, uh, Peter Graves uh, in this film as well. Um, yeah. Curious to see him but, in in a role such as this because, um, you know, my personal uh, familiarity with Peter Graves is as Captain Roger Over from uh, from Airplane. Yeah, I know him from Star, and I also know him from Biography. Roger Over, yeah, yeah, directed by uh, Charles Lawton, who was the husband of Elsa Lanchester, who played the Bride of Frankenstein for a while. So, yeah. A little fun fact for you guys as we close out the show. Talk about shows. <laughs> right. um, yep. You know, it is it is that that closing out time with a few minutes left, and uh, I do just want to ask uh, either of you, since you know, over the cl- the past several weeks of our show, we did cover uh, two of Jeremy Gardner's uh, selections. I just didn't mm-hmm. want to ask in general conversation if either of you had seen his. 2015 film Tex Montana will survive. I love it. Nope. Yeah, it's on for free. Yep, seen it twice. 
No, it's amazing. Right, there, there you have it. Okay, I was just, I was just curious that I might want to, you know, look into even though that's not a, a horror film per se. Uh, I was curious yeah, I about looking into that and just wanted to see if either of you had seen that one. I've been such a fan of yeah. getting to see both of the films recently. Yeah, I will personally say the movie's really good, but I would if you're going to watch it, go into it with a grain of salt. You really have to fucking like Jeremy Gardner. <laughs> I really appreciate Tex Montana will survive because it, it is majority. In. I love his acting, so I mean, I, I had no problem with it, but I know a lot of people were kind of iffy about that one. So if you ever get a chance to watch it, watch it. Uh, it's on Shudder. I know you have Shudder. That's a one or Ortiz movie, and Jeremy's in that one. That's another one to check out um, if you ever have the time. But both of those movies I would recommend checking out. But Tax uh, Montana Must Die, it's going to be something. But uh, So stay tuned, guys, next week for Night of the Hunter, which is going to be the man monkey pick. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, monkey, do you want to hit up the Google plug before we close out tonight's show? Yeah, all right. Now, you guys might have been a little bit too late to get lucky for St. Patrick's Day because you screwed up and you didn't fucking order. All right, so now you messed up. You don't have something proper to sit there and give your last all St. Patrick's Day. You messed up. You're not getting lucky. All right, but Easter is just around the corner. Okay, so don't be don't be like Jesus on Easter and get stuck hanging around not knowing what to do. All right, instead celebrate Easter the proper way. Go back. Do your research. Research and celebrate Easter the proper way, the fucking pagan way, all right? And you know how to sit there and give some po- proper pagan presents on Easter? Sit there and go to Bonfire Bee Designs, all one word, all right? Go to Facebook, Etsy, whatever. There you can find true stuff to properly celebrate the tr- holiday in the way it's supposed to be. Fertility, lots of sex, lots of fucking, and that's and how's that going to happen? By you giving your significant other some really, really awesome pagan jewelry that you can only get available at Bonfire Bee Designs. Boom! There you go. Well, you know what else happens on Easter? Yeah. It's a full moon this year. Oh, that's right. Full moon Easter. Oh, King, what happens? No, Werewolf. King knows. Werewolf Jesus. Werewolf Jesus Werewolf. on Easter. Oh, see, so, 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 oh, so double down then, and then go to Bonfire Bee Designs and make sure you get yourself some silver jewelry as well to ward off those fucking werewolf Jesuses on Easter. So make sure you do it right (laughs) and go there. All right, there we go. (laughs) Double plug for Bonfire Bee Designs. (laughs) I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken, Warren Zevon did write a song about that. Not Werewolves of London, but the other one, The Werewolf of Jesus. I think that's the better one that he wrote. And it's just, it's just a fantastic Sunday hymn that you have to listen to one time. Not Werewolf of London, but The Werewolf is Jesus. I love it. It's a great one. One of those hidden I tracks. Will have to look, I will have to look that one up, man. <laughs> and Yeah, let me know. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Uh, but thanks so much, Dean, for joining us tonight and enjoying The Dark and the Wicked. And we'll see you back here next week for... The Night of the Hunter. Dean? Yay. Yes, I'm so (laughs) looking forward uh, to the Night of the Hunter, and I will be back here next week, and hopefully we will have the triumphant return of the ghoul, and uh, we can discuss the order of the Marvel movies um, in part of our program next week as well. 
Huzzah! That's right. right. And I'm the mad and I'm the mad monkey saying thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror and let me come in your ears. Good night, everybody. As always, I'm your old top King of Horror, Andy G, saying thank you so much for listening tonight to The Dark and the Wicked. We'll see you back here next week for Night of the Hunter. Hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail Odorous. And by the next time we meet, I'll be one shot out in this whole coronavirus vaccine process. So we'll see you back Woo-hoo! here next week. Enjoy your week. <laughs>